Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Father, we thank you for your word, and I thank you, Lord, for the testimonies that each one of us carry as a result of the working of your spirit. Your word is alive and active, and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And what your word does when it gets inside of our hearts is it, it helps us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Each one of us is a living epistle, and you're continuing to write what you do and what you're doing in our lives. And we pray that you would stir hunger in each one of us as a result of what I share. And Lord, even though it's just my experience with you primarily and some of how the scripture has worked out in my life, I do pray that you would stir a hunger. And so I prophesy that over all of our lives. Be hungry for the Lord. Be hungry for his word. Be hungry for the ministry of his spirit. May that be true of us in this gathering, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. There's a scripture that I've shared many times because I've done a Hearing God series in our church several months ago, but it's John chapter 10 and verse 27, and Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Jesus' sheep, meaning his people, those that he died for, he rose from the dead, those that would believe upon him, those that would follow him, they hear him, They know him, that word know is to know intimately, personally, not just know about, but they know him and they follow. This is obedience, right? This is what characterizes the people of God. And so Jesus explicitly states that his people will hear his voice. Now I know that that's not been the experience of many Christians. And I've heard this from so many that it's become quite common to hear, hey Ben, I don't hear the voice of God like you're saying that we should. And the reality is, is that all of us are hearing the voice of God, but we don't necessarily identify when God is speaking to us. When I wrote my first book, it was called Hearing God, and the whole premise of the book was to teach people that God speaks to us personally, and that's about developing, cultivating our relationship with Him. The second book that I wrote is to convince all of you, based on Acts chapter 2, and really what I would consider a sound biblical theology, that every believer can hear the voice of God prophetically. And what that means is that God speaks to us not just for our own lives, but God will speak to you and me for other people. And as we learn to hear his voice for people all around us and identify that it is in fact the Holy Spirit, we will find that we can partner with God and speak into the lives of people what Jesus himself is saying to them. Now, it may come differently. It may be soft. It may be gentle. It may be nothing like that you suppose. But I'm telling you this, I have lots of really great experience and a thorough biblical foundation to hopefully convince you over the next several months that this is the case. Now, for me personally, my life has been transformed by the, by the voice of the Lord. I've seen way too much and there is no turning back for me. I am a Pentecostal, not by choice, okay, but God invited me into this journey, and I just followed where the conveyor belt led me. When I tell you that I'm Pentecostal, it's not a badge of pride. It's not that I was raised Pentecostal and bless God, hallelujah. You know, I mean, it's, it is not where I'm coming from. I'm not telling you I'm charismatic because I'm trying to convince you. I'm simply saying that my plain reading of Scripture and my clear experiences with the Lord have lined up to bring me to a place where I'm utterly and thoroughly convinced and really seeking to convince every person that God is real, Jesus is alive, the Holy Spirit lives in believers, and he is actually still doing the things that he always did. My first mentor used to always tell me, he said, believing in the Bible is not just believing that it did happen, but it's believing that it still happens. That's what it means to believe in the word of God. And this is what the world is hungry for. And I believe that what we as the people of God need is we need that reviving work of the Holy Spirit to once again believe that God is who he's always been, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on, everybody, just go ahead and smile. You want it to be true, but guess what? It is true. I'm not selling you something. I'm telling you something. This is the reality. And so here's the deal. What you're going to get from me over these next several weeks, I'm not here to give you anything. 
I am here to tell you what is yours. I'm not here to give you anything. I am here to tell you what is already yours in Christ. The voice of God is available to all of us. And this is what the Lord wants us to experience. Now, for me, this started with a supernatural encounter. And actually, that's how I came to know the Lord. In 1999, Ben Dixon was 19 years old. I was an angry, drug-addicted, very immoral kid and doing all kinds of things that you ought not to do. And I was in this period of time where I was absolutely depressed and I had kind of come to the end of my rope. Somebody can witness to this. You understand what that's like. And I won't go through all of the things that led me to this moment, but I had gone through terrible times. Almost all of it was self-induced. Some of it was the pain of the past of things that had happened to me. And the rest of it was the perpetuation of the cycles of sin that I myself continued in, right? That's what happened. And so here I am, 1999, 19 years old, and three months, during this three-month period, all I can say is it seemed like everywhere that I would go, it was like I'd run into one of those annoying Christians. Okay, I'd be at Safeway just buying a pack of gum. And honestly, I remember the ladies just talking to me about Jesus. Do you know Jesus? I'm like, ma'am, I'm trying to buy some gum. Okay, I don't know what you're doing, but I know what I'm doing. And I remember this started happening to me. And I'm not joking. It felt like these were all these random things were just so annoying. But I realized at one point maybe they weren't so random. And the way that I discovered this was I was uh, at one point I was half sober, just to be straight up with you. And I'm in my car. And this was a 1987 Nissan Stanza. I love that car. It was my first car. 19, it was before the Nissan Altima came out. And I'm a Nissan fan. That's what I have outside. I'm driving my 1987 Nissan stands about 85 miles an hour, and you know, those are not sports cars. And as I'm coming around the bend, I'm getting off the freeway, and this is in Bothell, Washington, Bothell Police Department, I love you, I'm sorry about this. I'm coming off the freeway and, uh, and the off-ramp, and as I'm coming 85 miles an hour, my car just spins out of control. Now, if you've ever had this experience, you know, once you lose control, you're done. Your, your car like this cannot gain control. So my car spins like this, and then it comes back around and goes around a few times. I'm staring at a cement barrier, and this is as clear as what's happening. I'm looking at a cement barrier, and I'm going 85 miles an hour out of control, and in my mind, I think I'm dead. That's all I'm thinking. I am dead. And the next thing I know, my car <clears throat> stops maybe six, seven, eight feet from this cement barrier, it lifts up on one side, my axles both break, and my wheels bend in 45 degrees. Just like that. My car stopped. It was like somebody literally put their hand in my car. That's how, that's how it felt. My head smashes against the window. My entire body goes up against my door, and I settle down and think to myself, did this just really happen? I barely get out of my car and I'm looking at my car and it's this, there's, I don't know how I'm getting this thing. This ain't getting home. And I'm looking at this going, a miracle just happened. Nobody's going to believe me. All I could think about were these annoying Christians talking to me about Jesus. I'm thinking that at this point, I believe in my heart, I truly believe I've just encountered a miracle, but I know nobody's going to believe me. So you know what happens when you have something like this happen, you don't want to go explain it to everybody because you know you're going to have to try to tell them what you're not even sure of just happened. So it's really not that fun, but this is something that happened to me and it didn't make logical sense. I'm wrestling with the reality of God, annoying people are talking to me about Jesus, and it wasn't long after this occurrence, I remember going home. I walk into my bedroom. It's really late, maybe 1 in the morning, 1.30 in the morning. I sit down on my floor, which is not something I regularly do, and I'm just, I sink into this place of thinking about God. And I finally just, this was like a prayer, and it was a weak prayer, but you know, God doesn't care. Do you know little prayers in our mind are big prayers to God? It's about the heart. God help would get the job done when you need it done. You understand what I'm saying? He can interpret all that. We don't need to wax eloquent. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? You don't need to, Father God, I thank you, Father. You just say, God, I don't know what I'm doing. And if your heart is in submission, he knows what he's doing. 
And that's, what, that's where I was. And so I'm on the floor and I'm sat there and I'm basically surrendering my heart over to the Lord. I don't have the right words. I don't even know what repentance means. I just give my heart over to the Lord saying, if you're real, I pray that you would show me because my heart is starting to believe all these things that are happening comes from the Lord. And I hear the voice of God. And the first thing that happens is I see a vision, but I don't know that's one way that God communicates. And here's what I saw. My mind, in my mind, I went through all of these scenarios that had happened over the last couple years. Hard places in my life, things where I could have died, things where I should have gone to jail, stuff like this, crazy moments in my life, deep wounds in my life. It was almost just like on your phone when you swipe and you see these pictures. It was like in my mind, it just went through one of those swipes. And every one of those that I saw, I heard the voice of the Lord speak over all of those situations in my life. And God said to me, I love you and I always have. It was like the worst moment in my life. God spoke over all of the bad in my life. And in that moment where I felt the worst about who I was and where I had been and what I had done, God said to me, I love you and I always have. Isn't that awesome that the, our heavenly father would say to me when I was 19 and I felt terrible about myself and that I'd shipwrecked my life. I was always there and I had always loved you and none of this was what I wanted for you. And God transformed my heart that night. I became a Christian right there. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to pray. And yet God opened up my heart and him and I did business and I became a Christian. I had a supernatural encounter with God. Ben, why do you write books about hearing the voice of God? Why have you talked about hearing the voice of God? Because I heard the voice of God. I heard the voice of God in my life. That's how I became a Christian. And so I'm passionate about people being baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm passionate about people hearing the voice of God personally and not just me as a pastor telling people you can have a personal relationship with God and not showing them how it's really personal. It's not just to know about God. You don't have to just read this book and, and hope that the God of this book is real. He is. And he wants to reveal himself in real ways to us. Well, that wasn't the end of my story. That was just the beginning, and it started in a supernatural way. But it was just like months later, uh, some of my friends came to Christ at the same time. And many of them left me, most of them, but there were a few that radically got saved. And so we started this crazy Bible study based on the book of Matthew, and we're lost in the genealogies in the first chapter, and we have no idea what we're talking about. Everybody that goes to our Bible study is more confused than when they came because we're just brand new, passionate believers talking about stuff we don't understand, but we do know God's real. So one of our friends comes to the Bible study. He had just gotten out of jail, and he got saved in jail, and he got filled with the Holy Spirit, and he starts talking to us that morning about being baptized with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, and I'm like, do tell, because <laughs> we just want more of God. We were really hungry, and that's what we wanted, and so we do, we do our weird Bible study on the book of Matthew. Trust me, it was nothing like what you're going to get from the daily word, okay? You're going to get good stuff now. 21 years have filtered me really good, okay? Trust me. So he just says, hey, I want to pray for you guys. And so we said, sure. So he starts praying. He starts speaking in tongues. He's like, shatabakash. I mean, I have no idea what he's doing. But when he starts praying in tongues, I felt like what I can describe as electricity. It just, from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, I was sitting in a chair and I'm glad I was sitting in a chair because I would have fallen straight over. As I'm sitting in this chair, I, you know, I'm not a feely guy, okay? Some of you understand what I'm saying. Like when people go, did you feel that? I'm like, nope. Man, I don't get the glory bumps all the time, you know? I mean, I worship because God is worthy. I don't always feel, but sometimes I feel his presence, I discern the presence of the Lord more than I feel his presence. And so if you're like not a feely person, I love you, you love me. We understand each other. But there are times where I do feel the presence of the Lord, or I can usually discern something. But I felt the presence of God come upon me, and it was like 30, 40 minutes where I had this experience with the Lord, and it was like, I mean, I wasn't incapacitated, but it felt like that. It felt like, don't get up, don't stand up right now. That was probably what this guy needed. I probably needed a full deliverance. I mean, I probably needed whatever God did, I needed that. 
And so people say to me sometimes, well, I haven't had that experience. Maybe you didn't need what I needed. Maybe you just needed a little zap or a tap, and I needed a zap. I don't know. But the Holy Spirit baptizes us. And I came to understand that what happened to me that day was I was already saved, and I was already experiencing passion, and I was fairly bold, and I was witnessing. I was sharing the gospel. But that day, I I was baptized, immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what happened to me. And so I got out of that chair and, man, I was like on fire. You know what I mean? Like, I, you couldn't stop me from talking about Jesus. That's what got me to where I am today, honestly. I never really felt the call to be a pastor. I'll be honest with you. I never had that moment where God said, you're going to be a pastor. I just could, you couldn't be stopped from serving God. And so every time I was in a church, they wanted to put me in a position. And I'm like, fine, whatever, you know. I just want to talk about Jesus And I want to make him known, and I want people to be filled with the Spirit, and I want people to be unashamed. And if that's what this takes, then I'm in. But it was not like God said, you're going to be a pastor. It's just like I stayed on the conveyor belt. You You know what I'm saying? But whether I was a real estate agent or a pastor or whatever I was, a neighbor or a family member, I was still going to share Jesus. You didn't need, I didn't need a title for that. Neither do you. You don't need a piece of paper. You don't need a title. You don't need somebody to say you can. The Bible does say that already, so game on. And so I got baptized with the Holy Spirit, and it was, it was that which opened my eyes. And let me just tell you, this began a journey for me. I never, I'm not going to tell you I'm a prophet. I'm not going to sit here and say those kinds of things. I don't, I don't do that. I don't self-proclaim. In fact, I'm always a little leery when somebody self-proclaims. I think it's okay to know the gift of God on your life. I think that's fine, but you don't need a business card that says it. You know, you know what I'm saying? We got to just be careful because people don't always interpret that properly. But I noticed that God opened up my spiritual eyes from that day forward. And so what would happen is I started having dreams and visions. In fact, I'll just tell you a few because I want you to understand why this became a passion of mine. This was not long after this experience, okay? Me and my friend were going around different churches We're like in church every night or every other night because we just wanted more of God. We used to go down to this little Assembly of God church and they were experiencing revival. They could only seat like 200 people and there was like 350 people in there packed in. People were falling over and you're like walking over people just to get to your seat. It was really powerful. Like God was moving. People were getting saved every night. It was exciting. I mean, it was really powerful. And so we're going to this church and that church and this church. And one night I have this dream. And in this dream, I walk into this double door um, room and I walk into this circle of guys and I sit down on a chair and I look at this guy who apparently is leading a Bible study. I've never seen him before in my life. And I'm in a dream and I look at him and he looks at me and he smiles at me. I mean, he looks sort of like a biker, you know, he just looks kind of rough and tough and kind of that dude, you know. And I just come out of this dream and I thought, man, that's kind of weird. And it was like a week or two later, my friend says, hey, Ben, do you want to go to this church, this Bible study? They're studying the book of John. And I said, absolutely. Of course I do. Let's go study the Bible. Because that's what 19-year-olds do (laughs) that are on fire for God. You know it takes a revival for a 19-year-old to be like, come on, let's go to church every day. Right? I mean, come on. We need that revival. I've often prayed, Lord, whatever you did to me, do it to everybody. All right. So so I, I I go to this church with my friend. And him and I walk into this church building. I'd never been there before. We walk up the stairs. We walk into this double doors. Not, nothing comes back to me. I can't even remember the dream that I had a week before, two weeks before. It wasn't that long. And we walk in and we walk into this circle of guys and I sit down on the chair and I look at the leader of the Bible study and it is the same dude. Not kind of the same dude. It is the same guy. Now they're studying the book of John, but the entire hour and a half that they're doing this Bible study, I can't remember a word that they talked about. My Bible's open, but I don't, I'm like freaking out. What is going on? I'm just waiting to see why the Lord would show me this. But again, I'm, I don't even have a paradigm that this is normal. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like this, I'm at a place in my spiritual journey and following Jesus where this is not something that I've heard about. I don't know this really happens to people, but it's happening to me and I'm sort of freaking out on the inside. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh. At the end of the Bible study, the guy turns to me and he goes, hey, I'd like to talk to you. And I said, okay, great. So him and I talked for a little bit and he's the prison ministry director for Seattle Union Gospel Mission. And this was 20 years ago. And so he says, hey, look, I run a prison ministry and I would really like it if you would come with me into the prisons. And I said, sure. So he like signs me up on the spot. 
And him and I, like literally within a month, we're, I'm off and running in prison ministry. And I stayed in prison ministry for about two years plus. And so it was, it, 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 he, this was my first mentor in the Lord. This was the first connection that I had for discipleship. And the Lord showed me who it was going to be. And he wanted me to go into prisons. And God gave me a heart for, for those that are, that are in prison, in jail. Amen. We can't forget those that are in prison. God has compassion and love for all people. And so this started, my, uh, this started my journey of being discipled and mentored by this particular person. And so we're getting ready to go to Shelton. This is uh, Washington Correctional Center. It's in Shelton, Washington. It's the receiving center prison for entire Washington state. So if you go to prison, you go there first. And then they send you out to wherever they go. And he goes, I want you to go to Shelton. So I had to get all of my credentials lined up, did all the work to do that. And then like a week or two before, again, the, the, I get a dream. And in this dream, I walk into this big, huge room, bigger than this sanctuary, two, three times the size of the sanctuary. I walk into this room, and it's as white as a, as a hospital room. Floors are white. The tables and chairs are white. The ceiling's white. It's just white, 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 sterile as it gets. And I'm looking at this, and then all of a sudden, I see all of these guys walk in, and they're wearing these red-orange jumpsuits. You know where I'm going. They're wearing these red-orange jumpsuits, hundreds of guys. And this guy in the dream looks at me and said, Ben, you're going to preach. I've never preached before in my life. I'm a brand-new Christian. And in the dream, I go, sure, because you got extra confidence, right? You're Superman, Superwoman in the dream. So I go, sure. I preach this sermon on thankfulness, and I remember it to this day. Thankfulness, Luke chapter 2. I preach a sermon on thankfulness. I don't even remember. I didn't even know the verse. I preached it. And then like 30, 40 guys come and give their lives to Jesus. I give an altar call in the dream and 30 to 40 people give their lives to Jesus in the dream, okay? Park right there. Two weeks later, I'm going into Shelton, Washington Correctional Center. We do four church services through this ministry that they're a part of. It's my first time going. As we go in there, we go do two church services and then they say, hey, now we're gonna go over to the cafeteria. And I said, cool. So I'm the guy, I carry all the books. That was my job. I carry all the Bibles. And I had no problem with that. I was super happy to do it. So I carry all the Bibles into the cafeteria. I walk into the cafeteria. It's white. It's white floors, white chairs, white tables, white ceiling. It is white. It's white as white can get. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then all these guys start walking in. And guess what color their jumpsuits were? That's right. Red, orange. If you've ever been to prison, any way that you did, you know that the blue is one thing, that's usually the misdemeanor, and then you got the felons that are wearing the red-orange. Anyways, I didn't know that, now I do. So they're walking in, and I'm shaking the hands of, you can't do that anymore, but back then you could shake hands, amen? Ladies and gentlemen, you could shake hands. It wasn't faux pas, it was actually a thing. Remember the days when we used to shake hands? This was one of those days. So I'm shaking hands of about two, 300 inmates, and a guy who I don't know looks at me and says, hey, Ben, we would like for you to preach the word. And I'm like, okay. So I open up the Bible to Luke chapter two and I have this little message because I had studied that verse in the two weeks because I had it in a dream. And so I just share this really weak, terrible sermon on thankfulness and I share my testimony and I give an altar call. It was 20 minutes long, 30, 40 guys come forward. Many of them get on their knees and I lead. I'm barely a Christian and I lead 30, 40 people to Christ my first week sermon in the world, terrible, you're welcome. I've come a long way, ladies and gentlemen. And it's actually happened. I, here, here's the thing, this stuff happened in my life. I'm not exaggerating, I'm looking in my eyes. This happened the way that I told you that it happened. And what I found is the more I started talking to people about it, some of this, the charismatic stuff out there can be strange and weird and you have to like decipher what people are talking about. This was not that, I had a dream, and it happened. I had a dream, and it happened. And God started to open my eyes, and I would pray for people. And I would just, as I would pray, stuff would come to me, like it did tonight. Something came to me tonight. Somebody's feet, have, there's pain in someone's feet. And I believe God will heal what he reveals. He heals what he reveals. And I have had this testimony again and again and again. And all you do is you pray Right? And then the Lord showed me like somebody's sister. Somebody's concerned and burdened about their sister right now. There's something about a relationship. And I don't know if it's in the room or it's online, but it just happens to me. Sometimes when I pray in the morning, this will happen, and then I'll meet somebody later that day. This stuff happens to me. I, I don't even have to ask anymore. It's like it started where I would have to ask. But this is what started happening to me. I'm not a prophet. 
I don't, I don't tell you that I'm some gifted person. I just got activated through the baptism with the Holy Spirit, and I begin to press in. How do you do that? You do that through the word, and you do that through prayer. I think a lot of people hear the voice of God, but don't know it's the Lord because we're not pressing into our relationship with the Lord. If we press into our relationship with the Lord, the frequency of God's voice becomes more clear and less distorted. I cannot give people a formula for this. That's what people want. Teach me. Tell me how to do this. You have to sacrifice some of your time to get to know God better. And the more you know the Lord, the clearer his voice becomes. But it can't be like two on and one off. And, and, and three on and six off. It's just think about what happens. You ever had a relationship that's distant? There's just so much nuance that you miss. And then you see the person and you're like, man, we got a long ways to go. And you can, but you need proximity. That's what my point is, is you need proximity. And as you have proximity, you get to work out things. You get to hear more clearly. And this is the reality. And so God activated my ears. He activated my eyes. And so this is why this became important to me. And so over the years, I've learned that when I pray for people, God will open my eyes. Now, I see a lot of visions, okay? It's not every time I pray. It's not all the time, but I sense things. I discern. I see. But it's usually, as, as Jesus says in John 15, if we're connected to the vine, we will bear fruit. Now, a lot of that is related to love. That's the context. He's talking about bearing fruit as disciples' fruit that remains. He's talking about love. But let me just tell you, as we are connected to the vine, the Holy Spirit, John 7, 37, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. What we are filled with will flow out of us. This is really important principle. It's not just for the really Pentecostal. It's for the really connected it's for the people that are really abiding. Trust me, I, I know what this is about. And you'd say, well, Ben, that's not my experience all the time. Well, part of it isn't just about sitting with God. Part of it is also being able to connect to people. So when we prophesy, as you're gonna hear me speak about, it's not just about receiving a word. It's about receiving and sharing a word. So we do have to, like, there's a piece of tape right here. We do have to learn how to cross the threshold and share those things that God puts on our heart. And that's what I'm going to teach you how to do. I'm going to teach you how to do it in such a non-religious, Christianese way that I don't know why you won't, <laughs> okay? This is a product you want to buy, but I'm not selling it. I'm giving it to you for free. It's amazing because there's a way not to do what I'm talking about. And I've learned, I've, I've had some really bad experiences and I've seen a lot of terrible things. But here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse one. It says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you might prophesy. What does it mean to desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you might prophesy? In chapter 13, Paul is teaching the Corinthians to move past that self-motivation that we would do something in order to be seen by people, right? That's what he says, do not do that. But spiritual gifts are the, for the purpose of loving people. And when we have love for people, God will pour out gifts of the Holy Spirit so that we can love them through power. I call spiritual gifts empowered love because we get to say what only God knows. We get to do what only God can do by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what I've experienced again and again. Now, I don't, you know, I wouldn't claim to hear God perfectly all the time or any, anything like that. But what happened to me is I knew I needed to learn. Back then, it was like, here, I'm having dreams and visions and I'm having experiences and all that. So I study the word of God. And I even sat with a pastor once <laughs> in the early days. I've sat with many pastors since, and it's been great. But in the early days, I sat with a pastor who didn't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He didn't believe in prophecy. So I started explaining to him what was happening to me. And he basically just said, you just need to stick with the word. And I said, thank you, pastor man. And so I started reading the word. And guess what? In the word of God, there's over 234 references to dreams and visions. And I don't think that's why he was encouraging me to read the Bible. He's like, you just need to stick to the word. And I thought, thank you, Pastor so-and-so. And I started reading and I was like, oh my gosh, 234 references. Now listen to me, Brother Mike, that's right here in the word of God. And thank God that he did that. And I started reading the Bible. I was reading the Bible all the time. I'm st I study the Bible every day. I've made a commitment in my life to study the word of God. But when you study the word of God, are you reading it 
In order to know about God, are you reading it to know what God has done, which, which prompts us to expect what God will do? And so when the Lord started my spiritual life in such a supernatural way, I knew he had already given me the appetite so that when I read the book, I expect for it to come alive. And that's what happened to me. And so I went all over the place. I mean, I traveled all over the United States and I wanted to get as much training as I could. And I saw the good, the bad, and the ugly. In fact, I saw all kinds of strange stuff and I had no idea what people were doing. I was like, man, that is crazy. And the Lord taught me these principles like in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 where he says, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully and hold fast to that which is good. I understand why Paul had to say that to the church because they had prophets going through their church saying that the Lord had already returned. And so the Thessalonians didn't want to hear anybody talk about prophecy because they were sick of it. They were like, all these false prophecies, all these fake prophets, we don't want any of it anymore. You know what Paul tells them? Don't quench the spirit. And he describes what quenching the spirit is by despising prophecy because the spirit of God wants the people of God to prophesy. But they had seen abuses, and so they didn't want anything to do with it. So Paul wrote a letter to them and said, even though you've seen abuses, don't despise the real thing, but examine everything carefully and hold fast to that which is good. Don't examine it like many do today as these watchdogs. There's so many ministries today that are always trying to tell us what's bad and wrong. Is that even a thing? No, I'm serious. Like, why in the world are there so many ministries that are trying to figure out what's wrong with everybody else when they don't even go to those churches. I mean, I have people call me and say, what do you think about Hillsong? I say, I don't. I mean, I've never been there. And I don't have any time to figure out if their theology is straight. I, he's not my pastor. God bless them. I pray that they're on the straight and narrow path. How about Northwest Church? No, I'm serious. Like, why are there so many ministries that are devoted to analyzing everything out there that's false. Like where in the Bible is that a real thing? No, seriously. Because what the Bible says is that we're supposed to discern what's in front of us. But because we're in an internet world, we think that it is our responsibility to discern what's going on in the world as though we have that level of authority. God hasn't given that to me. I'm not a world prophet. I'm not even a prophet for the federal way. So I don't know what's going on all over the world. What I do know is what is in the book is real and I'm supposed to discern what's happening in front of me. I don't waste any of my time. People say, what do you think about Bethel? I say, I've never been. I don't care. I care about you. I care about what God's doing in federal way. I care about Washington State. I don't know what's going on. You, you, you follow me so far? Okay, I want to get a head shake up in the balcony. You with me? Okay, you're with me. Love it. But this is, but I've seen the ugly. If you say, well, Pastor Ben, you don't know what I've seen. I've seen it. I have seen weird stuff. I remember one time I was in this conference and these people were like praying for me and they thought I really didn't get a dose of the Holy Ghost. You know, they really, they were like, Pastor, you didn't get it. So I was, I was standing like this and I got one guy, he's, he's like crawling on my leg you laugh. This is real. I had another gal. She's like crawling on my leg and I'm thinking that's not appropriate, but she's just like, you know, she's like 65 or so. So I'm like, okay, maybe, you know, I don't think she's trying to do anything. So no, no offense. I'm just, I'm just, cause maybe, I don't know, but it was just weird. I got another guy on my back. This guy's trying to rock me. He wants me to do a courtesy dive. You know, he wants me to fall down and you know what I do? I do what's called the kickstand. Yeah, I do the kickstand. See that right there? You push me down, I'm pushing you back. You know, you do that, what's up? I don't take no courtesy dives. God's got to put me down. Do you understand? And so you might not know what I'm talking about and you're better off for it. Online people, we love you. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're better off. Here's what I'll tell you. We're not going to push you over at Northwest Church. God's going to have to do that. What I'm saying is there's a lot of weird stuff out there. And I'll tell you what, God knows what he's doing. And if God wants to put people down under the power, Awesome but I'm not doing it for him. And you shouldn't let anybody push you over. Come on, seriously. The Bible says, be strong, stand strong in the Lord. Okay. So that's why kickstand is biblical. Come on. But I've been, you know, I've, I've experienced the power. 
I mean, I've had God buckle my knees. I mean, and it wasn't a man or a woman. I mean, I've experienced that. But what I'm saying is there are all kinds of strange environments where they want that to happen, right? Because they saw it happen before. So let's make it happen again. Pastor Ben, I was at the Toronto Blessing and they were, they were laughing and they were barking like dogs and stuff. I'm like, don't do that in our church. I mean, if God does something, we won't be able to stop it. But if you start doing something, stop doing it. So I saw all that stuff. But I was, here's what the thing is, is that I didn't let my heart get tainted by the bad because I read 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that said examine everything carefully in order to hold fast to that which is good. So there is some bad, but I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in the real thing. I don't want the fake $100 bill. I just want to know that it's fake enough so that I could go after the real thing. But if we spend too much time on the bad, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself, ladies and gentlemen. But I've seen the bad. And I know what that's about because we, I traveled all over the place. I, wanted, I was hungry for God, and so I was looking for the real thing. I was going to seminar and conference, and the Lord wanted to train me. He wanted to teach me about all this. And so I, I went down to the Christian bookstore, let the training begin. And I, I wanted to find a church where I could learn about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and what was going on with me because this stuff was really happening. And I, when I talked to a pastor, he's like, just read the Bible. I read the Bible, and then I tell him, man, look at all this stuff in the Bible, and he's not encouraged about you know, he was not why he was sending me to the Bible. So that wasn't working out. So I'm trying to find a church where I can go. So I, live, I lived up in uh, Bothell at the time. And I couldn't really find a church that explicitly spoke about the gifts of the Holy Spirit on like a weekend service. So I was looking and I couldn't really, there probably were some, but I couldn't find any. And so then I end up going to the Christian bookstore and I find this book called The Veiled Ploy by a guy named John Paul Jackson. And so he, it, on the back, it says he was a Kansas City prophet and all this. And I'm like, cool, I found a guy that's, I mean, I call this like the black market section of the Christian bookstore because like there's just this little shelf of Pentecostal charismatic books. And then there's all like the, you know, you can be blessed and happy and rich books that are like right up front. Sorry if this is offensive, but it's true. You know, it's like all the, all right. So I go back to the little section and I grab that book and I read that thing like cover to cover and it was fine. It wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with what I was looking, looking for, but but I saw this guy was a prophet, and so I look up his ministry, and I find he's got a school in eastern Washington called the School of the Prophets. So I'm like, I got to go to that. So I sign up. I register, and I go to like all four of them. They're like four-day intensives. They're like six, seven hours a day. I even got my dad to go with me for a couple of them because I was just on fire. I'm like, I got to learn, right? I got to go somewhere where I got to learn. And it was, it was awesome. It was a mixed bag, to be really honest with you. So we studied the Bible, we studied visions and dreams and parables and all the stuff and all the cryptic stuff in the Bible, we studied all that. And then we would practice, like we would turn people around and we would just pray for the person that we couldn't see and ask the Holy Spirit to give us words for a person. We didn't know if it was a man, woman, or Wookiee, we didn't know what they were. And I can't tell with glasses off anyway, so it's really good for, you don't even have to turn around. If I just take my glasses off, I can't tell. It's just good to have human beings in the room. Because I know I'm not that funny, but you all are just wonderful. You know what I'm saying? Not really. All right. And we have masks on. It's just, we're just, we just all look funny now. It's just great. So I shouldn't, I'm not making fun. We're having fun. There's a difference. I don't know the line. I probably crossed it. So, but they would do all kinds of stuff like that. So we're learning how to hear the voice of God. And I saw some profound things. I mean, I saw people call out stuff like conditions that happened 17 years ago. And I'm watching people like, you know, you had this heart condition and you went to this doctor and they would spell out the disease that I couldn't even pronounce. And you're watching this stuff happen, like call out people's names and ages and how long they've been married or when they had a divorce and how many children they have. And I'm watching all of this stuff and I'm going like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy. I've never seen this level of the prophetic, but I'm seeing all of this and God's stirring my heart, giving me a hunger for the supernatural. And I'm like, gosh, if the church looked like this, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't want to be a part of the church? Like this was written, but it was a mixed bag because there were a lot of weird stuff too. That was where the people were like grabbing onto my leg, trying to push me over. And I'm like, stop, calm it down a little bit. It was like, you want to tell people, bring it down to DEFCON 1 and they just don't have a dial, you know? And so I just learned to be okay with people in their strangeness because I was so, des- I so desired the real thing. And I know some people get offended by that, but... Um, I don't think everything's God. I think we're supposed to discern. Some of it's the Lord. But I saw good, bad, and ugly when I went to this prophetic school, and the Lord taught me a lot of things and gave me a hunger for hearing the voice of God. And really what he gave me a hunger for was training people in the prophetic. So I came back, and uh, fast forward, 
uh, this time, right around this time, I was a youth pastor at a, um, at a church called LifeSpring Christian Center. It's not the same LifeSpring here. It was up in Kirkland, Washington. And, um, and I had received a prophetic word when I was at one of these conferences. I was in a line waiting, waiting to get coffee, and some guy gets behind me. This, he, he was, apparently, he was the conference speaker, but I didn't know that. So he gets behind me, and he pulls me out of the line and gives me a prophecy about me writing books and all this crazy stuff. And I don't even write in my journal at this point. And he's like, you're going to write books, and you're going to go to this nation, and you're going to do all this stuff. And as a young man, I'm like, I'm awesome. You know, I didn't really hear what he was saying in my heart. I just thought, he said, I'm awesome. And that's kind of what sometimes we want to hear in a prophecy. If like anybody tells us we're great, it's, it's a bonus because like we live in such a deficiency of encouragement. Have you noticed that? And if the church, honestly, I think the church is a place of encouragement. In fact, it says 1 Corinthians 14 that the gift of prophecy is for edification, exhortation, and comfort. And I think we have such a deficiency of those things and prophecy, the supernatural gift of prophecy, provides some of what each one of us needs just like teaching provides that solid nourishing, right? So the gifts of the Spirit provide different things for each one of us. So edification, exhortation, and comfort. 1 Corinthians 14, I believe that's 14.3. But that's what the gifts of the Spirit provide. That's what prophecy provides. And so I get this prophecy and I come back and something's stirring in my heart, and I'm a youth pastor at this time at this church, and this guy walks in on a Sunday, and I'm preaching that Sunday. My pastor took a risk on this guy, and so I'm preaching the main service, the main sermon. This guy I'd never seen before walks up to me, and he says, the Lord's given me a word for you, and I said, do tell, and so he lays hands on me, and he prays over me, and he said, the Lord showed me that you have a gift of prophecy, and that if you don't start giving away what you have, you're not going to have it anymore. And I'm like, that it kind of felt encouraging and not encouraging at the same time. And so then he gave me his number and, and we, um, we said our goodbyes. And then I just was like meditating on that. Like, what does that even mean? And then the guy calls me like a month or two later. I don't remember how long, but he calls me and says, the Lord gave me a dream. And he reminded this guy, I hadn't seen him again. He reminded this guy to tell me that if you don't give away what you have, that you're not going to have it anymore. And I'm like, oh my gosh, not encouraged again. But what I knew is the Holy Spirit was saying, I want you to start training other people with the, what you already have. And so that's what I did. I started writing. Remember the book prophecy? So I start writing curriculum and I've got nowhere to preach it. I'm starting writing sermons and in that amount of time, my wife and I got married and I adopted her boys and we're trying to figure out family and I took five months off of work, and I said, hey, I'm just going to write curriculum. So I start writing all this curriculum for five months, and by the way, that, those five months, that was that book, Hearing God, that I've written. Now is in four languages, and we have probably like 50,000 copies out. I don't even know how many eBooks, but it started in those days. And then we were going to a church that we came from. We were there, we've been, we were there over 15 years together. And so we started this home group, and we called it Hearing God, and we had the first night, we had this home group, there were 30 people in our living room, just smashed into our living room, we're thinking, like, this can't happen, like, we, we can't make our neighbors mad, and this is just way too many people in our living room, so we switched to the church, and we fill up the chapel over a period of a year, I mean, we've got 100, and then we go to the sanctuary, and we've got hundreds, we, I mean, literally, we had, over a period of 10 years, we had this meeting called Hearing God, and during that time, we literally saw thousands of people get trained to hear the voice of God. And what I did was I stumbled into a discipleship mechanism that I didn't understand. And you know what it was? It was we would, I would teach on hearing the voice of God and knowing him personally, and then we would bring people up, like if I were to bring you up and I would stand you right here, and I would, let everybody, I would tell everybody to pray, and we would pray, and whatever words God would give to us, I would have somebody with a microphone go all the way around, and as that person did that, each person would give words. And then we, we would see people that have never prophesied before through activation, just the faith to share what was in their heart, right or wrong. We would see prophecy after prophecy. We saw incredibly clear prophecies from the Holy Spirit come through people that have never done it before. And all it was was a release where we just allowed the people of God to speak. And what it did over a period of 10 years was convinced me that every person can speak prophetically because every person can hear the voice of God. You couldn't convince me out of it. The only person I can't help 
understand this very truth, which I believe is found in Acts chapter 2, which I believe is found in Joel chapter 2, which I believe is found in John chapter 10 verse 27, which I believe is found all throughout the book of Acts, for people that are on mission with Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, living their life based on the foundation of his word. You can't convince me out of it. I found that in scripture, this is the reality. And when I just pursued the Lord and I gave away what I had, which was very little, by the way, I'm not presenting myself as some like great giant in the faith. I felt the entire time insecure. I didn't know what I was doing. I just gave away what I had. And that to me is the spiritual principle is that we give away what we have. And when we do that, when we take those steps of faith, God will give us more. Freely you have received, freely you shall. And when you give, you know what a river does? It keeps flowing. The source never runs dry. But when a river stops flowing, it piles up or it dries up. And it doesn't feed the banks and the trees and the bushes and everything along the banks of of that river, rivers feed everything along its banks. And when it overflows its banks, it nourishes everything that it's around. Rivers of living water will flow out from your innermost being. I think that revival, as I was talking to Pastor Steve Shell just yesterday, and him and I were just talking about revival. His heart is so full of revival, as you know, if you know Pastor Steve. And both he and I were talking, and he made this statement, and I totally, if, if he wouldn't have made it, I would have made it. But it was his statement. I give him credit. Pastor Steve, if you're watching, I give you credit. He said, revival is when a mass amount of people get baptized in the Holy Spirit at the same time. Check it out in the Word. Tell me it's not true. It's when a massive amount of people get baptized in the Holy Spirit at the same time. But what happens when a people get baptized in the Holy Spirit? What does it say in Acts chapter 2? Your sons and your daughters shall, shall do what? Shall prophesy. I got one word. It's not about you and I just giving prophetic words, but this is what I'm saying is we can and we should. I, I don't want to guilt you into this. I want to, I want to inspire you to know that as you pray, God is speaking back to you. And when you pray over the lives of other people, God is giving you and I words and those words can transform other people's lives. I have seen thousands of people receive words from God that have literally changed their lives. Why? Because they found that Jesus was alive and well, and he was moving in reality. You know what the world needs? The world needs the real Jesus. You know where the real Jesus lives? He lives in you, and he lives in me. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in me. How do we see him manifest? We see him manifest through love, the fruit of the Spirit. We see him manifest through power, the gifts of the Spirit. Ben, what are you talking to me about? I'm talking to you about the power of the Spirit. It's one aspect of what God's given us, but we need to recapture what God has given to us so that why? We can give it away. So many people on the other end of our obedience, hungry, starving, dried up. Friend, let me tell you, don't dry up. You don't need to. If you feel dry right now, you don't need to dry. In fact, I just want to prophesy over you. You are hungry for the Lord right now. I mean, you may not feel that way, and that's not what I'm appealing. I'm not telling you what you I'm telling you right now. You're hungry for the Lord. I don't, what's happening right now, all of this that's bad right now, God is doing something that we can't quite see right now. And I'm not just trying to sell you a wolf ticket. I believe that as we tune our ears into the Holy Spirit's voice, what he is saying to us is not that I'm done, it's that I've just begun. It's game on time. And the enemy wants to guard us and keep us from knowing what we've received in Christ. You and I, sons and daughters, ministers of the Most High God, have received power from on high. We don't have to wait anymore. We already have it. I don't think we've lost anything. I just think we've lost sight of it. I think we've lost sight of it. Everything I've ever read about revival starts with the people humbling themselves like they've never humbled themselves before. It starts with the people that just literally bend their lives to the Lord instead of straighten themselves in His presence and act like, well, there's nothing wrong with me. It's not about what's wrong. It's about what God wants to pour out, and it 
bends us before God to where we literally ache to see what God wants to do in the lives of people. But he wants to do it first in and through us. I shared with you part of my story. I just want to stir a hunger in you. I just want to stir a hunger in you. I stand on this platform because of what God has done in my life. Whatever I contributed to that, maybe it was like I said yes, probably had no idea what I was saying yes to for the most part. You just sort of stumbling around like, oh, this is awesome. And you give glory to God, right? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you tonight. And we do pray that you would baptize us fresh in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me just pray over the online community. I know you're there. You're hanging on. You've come with us a long way. Father, I thank you for every person, Northwest Church and all of our guests online right now. We bless them in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, for everybody tuning in. And Lord, we just pray that the arm of the Lord would reach out through the internet, into homes, through the audio in someone's car, and that you would touch hearts right now. We ask for a fresh baptism with the Holy Spirit because it is out of the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we see you move in power. And God, we need a reviving work of the Spirit of God and we ask for it tonight. We pray for you to come in power. We say to you, do it again. We ask you right now, do it again, Lord, in my life. Maybe do it for the first time. So you online, if you're saying, Ben, I... I'm hungry for the Lord. Maybe it's not going to look like what I shared with you about my life, but it's going to look like something, and God wants to do it in you, and he wants to do it in me. He wants to do it through us. And so I just ask you right where you are to ask God to baptize you, immerse you, fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit. If he's doing anything, he is pruning us from that second-rate, casual Christianity. That isn't going to work anymore, and we all know it. So right now where you are, If you're dry, tell him you're dry because he wants to fill you. He wants to flow through you. He wants to move upon you. Come on, just right now, ask him in Jesus' name. It's time. You know it's time. It's time. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray just like they did in the Jesus People movement. Come, Holy Spirit, we need you. We ask you for that any other appetites that we have right now, that you would that you would make us callous to those things, that we would lose our hunger for them and be hungry for you again. We are hungry for the Lord. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.